Hi everyone, Erin here. So sorry to interrupt today's episode, but I have something amazing to share with you. Do you want to become a mindfulness or well-being strategist? Perhaps so. If you do, I have the exact program for you. In partnership with UPeace, United Nations Institution, we are offering a three-month training to certify people in mindfulness and well-being strategy. This is a three-month virtual program plus one-week in-person retreat in Osada, Costa Rica. This certificate is in partnership with UPeace, a United Nations international school that focuses on social innovation, entrepreneurship, and peace building. The certificate will train participants in meditation, mindfulness, coaching, positive psychology, emotional intelligence, new ways of healing, sales funnels, branding, overall modern day wellness and how you can launch and grow a business. As a graduate, you can take on one-on-one clients as a well-being strategist, offer wellness programming in corporations, schools, and more. Build your own wellness programming and learn how to attract clients and grow your business. Definitely check out The links in the footnotes would love, love, love to have you. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you soon. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Women Podcast. Today, we have Vettina Blumenthal, founder of Wonderful Soul and the host of Soul Compass Podcast. In this episode, we talk about leading retreats around the world, wild stories we both have from living in India, being able to say, I am uncomfortable in diverse situations, and dating as a conscious female entrepreneur. Thanks for being here. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast, featuring leading voices in 2019, supporting women to fully show up, connect to their feminine authenticity and truth. I am your host, Erin Rachel Doppel, bringing light to the marriage between Eastern practices and Western psychology, while encouraging you to show up for yourself and the world around you. May this be your time to shine. May you show up. I am super pumped about today's guest. We have Vettina Blumenthal, founder of Wonderful Soul and the host of Soul Compass Podcast. Hi, Vettina. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much, Erin. I'm excited to chat with you today. Me as well. And I would love to just dive in. One thing you're known for is your retreats. How did you start building and sharing these retreats with the world? Oh my goodness. Well, I'll give you the Coles notes version. Uh, I left the music and entertainment industry in full distress and ran away to India, to say the least. And it was that breaking point that I found myself in an ashram in, in India. And in the 30 days in the ashram, um, I was doing my first yoga teacher training. And at the end of the training, my teacher, Ravi G, said to me, Vitina, you're so relaxed. When you first got here, I was so scared of you. (laughs) I had to laugh a little bit. Keep in mind, there was a little bit of a language barrier. And what what I took from it was, he said, he was implying that when I first got there, I was super reactive. My mind was going a mile a minute. I was talking so quickly, even just saying hello, turning around was reactive. And by the end of that 30 days, I was talking so slow. <laughs> and, and it was in that moment that the seed was planted for a wonderful soul and where I knew I wanted to take, take 
my life and what my purpose was. And I knew that everyone wasn't able to go to India, spend 30 days in an ashram to come back to themselves. Uh, so I knew that I wanted to create these experiences, whether it was through retreat, um, now through workshops and online meet, online tools, but I knew I wanted to take people on transformational experiences to help them come back home, help them come back to themselves, rediscover themselves and why they're here in this lifetime. That is so beautiful and important. I totally hear you. I also picked up and went to India. Where were you in India? I was, well, I started in the South. So I was in Kerala, um, which is where I did my teacher training. And then I was up North in Rishikesh, which is the yoga capital of the world. Um, but where did you end up going? I also, I also did my, I did my yoga teacher training in Kerala as well, but it was in like a mostly silent ashram. Um, it was pretty, it was a pretty bananas experience. And it was, a. My teacher, um, who I actually, I don't know if I recommend him, um, he was a student of Shivananda's. So it was like in that lineage of Hatha Yoga um, and Kalori and Kundalini and Vinyasa, you know, marriage of all of them. Where did you go after Kerala? Totally. Uh, after Kerala, I went up north to Rishikesh. Rishikesh um, and I actually just want to point out, I too would not recommend my teacher. <laughs> I wonder if we, where did you, which school was it? I actually don't want to say because I feel bad. <laughs> Amazing. We'll talk about this later. Yeah. yeah. It, it sounds um, like, I feel like we went to maybe the same place. Very maybe cool. we did. Maybe we did. Um, but after I went up north to Rishikesh and this is truly what changed my life. Um, I spent about a month there. And I had planned to travel through India, but oh my goodness, the unpacking of all of the, the trauma that I had experienced, the stress, the burnout, um, really fully came out during this time. I did a Kundalini course. I was doing a lot of energy healing um, with someone who I really trusted, and I still have gone back to India and worked with him again. But that experience, that second month that I was there was re really the catalyst um, to a lot of the change in my life. Rishikesh is so wow. Like it is so powerful. The, the time I spent there was, I, I mean, I'll just, before I was living in, in India, I was living in Israel and I would go to the same place in Jerusalem in the Shok Machne Huda, and I would get juice from this really sweet Israeli guy. And, and my Hebrew wasn't great then, and he didn't have great English. So we would just chat a little bit. He would give me juice and then I would carry on. I'm in Rishikesh. It's Diwali. So I had two weeks off. I was working in Mumbai, serving in the slums at this school. I had two weeks off. I go to Rishikesh. I'm in this random cafe in Northern India. And this guy that I knew in Jerusalem who gave me my juice every day walks into the cafe. And I was like, oh, God is real. Like, oh, like I'm in the exact right place. Like so earth shattering crazy. And I mean, I'm a devotee to Rishikesh. I, I have an, uh, retreat to India coming up in January, Ooh. but we're going to Goa. This time we're going to do Goa. I think next time we'll do Rishikesh, but eight days returning to self chakra, like deep spiritual retreat. Very excited. 
Oh, that's amazing. My second trip to India, I spent about three weeks in Goa, which was magic. I loved it. Arambol, you just have to go dancing on the beach. Just saying. Amazing. That's so special. <laughs> How often do you go to Asia? Well, I haven't been since 2016. Uh, it's definitely on my my list to go again in the near future. I think Sri Lanka is actually on my on my list. But in Canada, we can get a 10-year visa, like tourist visa to India, which is really convenient because now I can go at any point. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I think my visa to India is also 10 years. I highly recommend Sri Lanka. It's like a great place for sustainable tourism. But you have so many retreats coming up. So tell us what you have coming up. So right now we are doing a retreat to Mexico. Um, That retreat is particularly my favorite retreat. It is a deep dive into the energetic system, really uncovering blocks, really uncovering what's holding you back from reaching your next greatest level because you're already great. Who's ever listening? You're already great too, Erin. Um, <laughs> but, but really uncovering, um, finding out what is blocking you. Uh, and it's a week-long intensive with yoga, meditation, but I love fusing in culture. I think that's our best teacher in life is being surrounded by the culture that you're visiting. Um, that's something that you don't learn in school. And it really opens your eyes. Travel opens your eyes. And I know that you can can relate to that. And that retreat is called Wander In. I do it once a year. And this year it happens to be near Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. And it's happening this November. Wow, that sounds so amazing. What a beautiful area. I love Puerto Vallarta. I love Mexico. It's so special. It's so special. I feel like I've been there so many times and I've only explored like 20% of the country. (laughs) Absolutely. And I feel like when I started my business years ago, it was always about immersive experiences. Like how do you encourage change? Come immerse yourself, remove yourself from your everyday rituals, shift your shit a little bit. It sounds like you're in a similar headspace. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. When did you start doing your retreats? I started leading retreats when I was 22. Uh, The second I graduated undergrad, I got a proper corporate job and I made sure that they let me, um, at the time I was leading month trips, one week to Poland and three weeks in Israel with this incredible organization called Shorshim, um, educating youth on, on, World War II and Israel and Zionism and essentially connecting to yourself and the world around you. And I got so addicted to immersive experiences and retreats that I just started. I have my retreat to Tulum every year. I have India. I go to Israel very often on retreat. And now even just small pockets of retreats happening in in North America. And I know you and I are both speaking at Dovetail, which is, yes, for anyone who's listening, we uh, Vettina and I actually connected because of this amazing woman, Alexis, who started Dovetail. And it's a weekend immersion at an at this camp outside of Toronto for essentially female entrepreneurs to come together and grow. Yeah, 
I went to the Dovetail Summit in February of 2018. And, you know, I've been to a lot of entrepreneurial conferences, some that are really high regarded. And this particular conference, I actually still have connections, like deep connections with more than a handful of women. So it is probably one of the best investments that I ever made in myself, in my business, for my personal or and professional growth, like it was pretty magical. And I'm so excited that we get to share this and finally meet in person. Yes, me too. Me too. I'm so excited. So how has your company evolved? Oh my goodness. Well, I've fallen on my face a few times. Let's just say that. (laughs) But when I first started Wonderful Soil, I mean, the mission has always been to take people on these transformational journeys. And it started off as a tech startup, um, which was probably the hardest part of this journey because I was developing the platform. I was developing, developing, developing for about a year and a half. Luckily, my background's in advertising. I went to school at OCAD uh, for design. and, And... so I was building this brand alongside, you know, build like doing the develop back end development, and I had switched developers, and the new developer had said, "Bettina, you know, they had promised that the site would be done in a month, and at the end of that month, they said, "Bettina, there's more bugs for any tech people. There's more bugs on each page, like 500 bugs on each page of the site." that it's going to take more time to fix this site than it would be to rebuild. And that was probably one of the hardest years of my life. I felt like the universe had its hand on my forehead and was like pushing my forehead. And I was like trying to like reach and and grab things, but like it was not let allowing me to. Um, And that was kind of the clear sign, finally, that I listened to. And I realized, okay, this is not working. I need to look at this in a new lens. I need to look at this in a new way. Um, Because I was so rigid on creating the business in a certain way. But I knew that my mission was still valid. That was like, mission wasn't changing. I just needed to find a new business model. And so that's... That's when I gained a little confidence and I started doing my own retreats versus being a platform for people to sell their retreats. Um, and since then, it's evolved into different retreats. It's evolved into events, programs, workshops, uh, really just a source for people to discover more about themselves. A platform for self-discovery is what I really like to call it. And then now the Soul Compass is kind of under that umbrella and really helping to educate people through different experts that I've connected with over the last seven years. Um, But it's been a journey. It's been a lot of um, learning how to trust, learning how race all on my face and to get back up but it's been it's been a journey nonetheless Um, but I always say that my entrepreneurial journey goes hand in hand with my personal development and I wouldn't change that uh, for the world and you always learn if not equal to more when you fail 
and epic fails yeah. are so they're so needed to help you realign it's yeah i think it's just getting shaken by the universe or the energy around you saying shift or think again or choose again or change your mind and luckily we're not trees and we can change our mind we can always shift yeah. every day and this Sorry, I'm going to discovery is I think it's something that we we have to do. It's a meditation practice. It's accounting for the soul. It's waking up and like diving deeper. Oh, absolutely. And my meditation practice has been a constant for the last I mean it wasn't really as consistent at the beginning, but especially over the last few years, I can see my mental um clarity and, or I guess disruption when I don't meditate that morning. Uh, it's like brushing my teeth. It's like probably the biggest, um, tool that I could use and really commit to, to see consistent change, make decisions. But what I wanted to ask you, cause we were talking about failure. Do you have an epic failure that you've learned from? Yeah, I feel like like every like almost all the time like every day I I try to actively choose again, but in terms of like I really failed in India. Like I made some like really dangerous and bad decisions. I I mean even like we're talking about Rishikesh like early in when I was in India, I just trusted people and and false gurus and if you've chatted with me before, if you've ever worked with me one-on-one -on -one, or you're in my, um, I have my group coaching, my soul immersion, which is actually relaunching. So if you're interested in meditation, Eastern ritual and Western psychology, definitely check out soul immersion, which is launching September 17th. When I went to Rishikesh for the first time, I was staying at this ashram and the guru, the teacher on site, like asked me to be his girlfriend. And there was a moment where I thought about it. Like there was a moment where I was like, oh my God, like I can move to India and like be with this Indian guru. And like, it was a whole reality that I let myself sit in for like 24 hours and consider until I like really checked into my body and everything was like a hell no. And like really, um, hyper aware of that left that ashram immediately and then found like all these miraculous people in Rishikesh and was a quick way to realign. Um, I've made some like really, I actually failed recently. I invested a lot of money. I've never before used ads, never used Instagram ads, never did Facebook ads. And I invested about $10,000 in an agency and creating these ads and um, a couple other partners in that field. And then I realized, you know, my clients or my community, they're finding me organically and they're connecting through narrative and they're not necessarily the people who are opting in because of an ad. And the second that I pulled back my ads and realized that, you know, right now that's not the marketing strategy for me or that's not the place of soul alignment that I attract my soulmate clients, um, all these clients started coming in. So wow. yeah, I, I needed to shift. I needed to realign, like, thank goodness it was just a financial investment and not anything on my heart. Um, yeah. you gotta fail. Yeah, you do. And I kind of have not a similar story about India, but 
I mean, I went to India when I was like 22, 23, so young, so naive. Um, and I went back a few years later and luckily I was very, very safe, but I did have uh, a teacher and he actually, in a weird way, he knew what I needed to um, kind of step into or break a pattern of. And we were on the beach in India and he again, like a little bit of barrier, not able to like fully communicate in, in the way I'd like to and same with him. And he put his hand on my stomach. And he's like, um, how does that feel? And I'm like thinking, oh my gosh, oh my, I can't believe I'm telling you this story. I don't think I've really told anyone this story. Um, he put his hand on my stomach and was like, what, how do you, how do you feel? And I'm thinking, oh, is he like healing me? Like, is he like, like giving me some sort of like energy, <laughs> like healing here? So I'm like, oh, I feel like warmth. I feel this, I feel that. But I never said I'm feeling uncomfortable. And I continue working with him and we're doing a lot of breath work and he, he was making comments. He's like, oh, why don't I come to your, um, your room and do this? And I'm like, ha, 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 just laughing, not really saying anything. And the one day we are in session and he is like rubbing my like hair after like a crazy breathing technique. And he's like, um, so how does this feel? And I said, I don't know. And he's like, Vettina, if you don't want this, say stop, yell, tell me to get off. Like you need to, like, you need to express yourself if you're uncomfortable. And it was kind of like this weird thing because I'm like, you need to stop. And I like, and he's like, okay, I'll wait outside. And it was weird because it is like in our culture, there would be no way that this is appropriate way to teach me a lesson of like speaking up and using my voice. Um, but ever since then, like there's always been a boundary. There's ne- It's like he's never crossed that ever again. But I still, I feel kind of like there's a little bit of shame in that story because I feel like I didn't speak up. I didn't say something sooner. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a huge lesson for me in terms of my like relationship with, with men. I was so in that story with you. My heart rate was picking up. I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking up and even saying you're uncomfortable. I, so sometimes I do think it's cultural. I was just in Tel Aviv. I was leading a trip out in Tel Aviv and my, as my life exists in Chicago, my life exists in Tel Aviv, like as it is a hundred percent. And I'm sitting with my best friend, Michal, we're on the bench looking at the beach and we're talking about relationships. She's talking about her boyfriend that she's been with for five, six years. I'm talking about my fiance and our wedding that's coming up and we're just chit-chatting and without even us knowing there's like a man sitting next to us and he says, excuse me, are you open 
to my opinion on your conversation. I'm married and I have like a lot to say about what you're speaking about. And my friend, Michal, she's Israeli. She looks at him and she goes, no, like we're having a conversation. What are you like? Why are you interrupting us? And then I sit there and I feel bad. May, like, I feel bad that we're being rude to this guy. Like, I feel bad that we're not inviting him to this conversation. And then I said, sure, like, what do you want to share? What do you want to say? He ends up sharing something that was very irrelevant, none of his business. Like, I did not care what he had to say. And I, I actually uh, look at Michal, we look at each other and we like stand up and we walk away. And I said, Michal, why did you tell him? Like, did you feel bad when you said that to him? And she's like, no. She's like, I didn't give a shit about his opinion. Like, I didn't want him to talk. And like, he was eavesdropping in our conversation that was inappropriate. That is so American of you to feel bad. Like, that was so American of you to invite this guy into our conversation. Like, learn. Learn from that. And I was like, oh, my God. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like being polite is like, we do not want to be rude to anyone. And it's also like this fear of like, oh, what is that person going to think of me? And I'm not even going to get into all the stories and the experiences that I went through in the tech world. 5% of female are female founders in tech. And so you could imagine the amount of men that I had to encounter. Luckily, now I've shifted and pivoted my business and I'm not really in, in the tech world like I once was. But same type of sim- like similar situations and it's not fun. So if you are listening to this fun. podcast and not Absolutely. And if yeah. you're listening to this podcast and this is resonating with you and you're feeling uncomfortable or you are asking the opinion of of somebody whose opinion you actually don't really need or value, stop. Like this is your time to shift. This is your time to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that was also another big lesson. I don't know if you've had a lot of mentors along your journey. I've had, I, at one point I've, I had too many cooks in the kitchen. I was asking every single one of them and then everyone's telling you a different idea. So really sitting down and getting clear, only having like one or two mentors, depending on what you're going to them for, like being strategic in that. Um, but that was such a big lesson for me too, is just really trusting myself, um, trusting that my failures will actually catapult me into the right direction. <laughs> and I can always tell by my body language, if I'm talking to somebody and my legs are ca- crossed and my arms are around my chest and my stomach has a knot in it and my mouth is dry. I also learned recently, I no, my meeting is going well, or I'm aligned with a client or a conversation when I recognize that I have to pee and I excuse myself to go to the bathroom. Like, isn't that, a, it's so, it's something I learned recently. I had a meeting and I, the meeting was going well. And like, I was really into it, but the whole time I had to pee and I wouldn't just say, excuse me, like I have to use the restroom. Like I just didn't. And now that's like a clear marker for me. Wow. I'm going to pay attention to that now. It's a weird thing that I just learned. <laughs> Something for me. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I have to clear my throat. Um, <clears throat> Something for me that I've really realized is when I feel a little bit sick to my stomach, like I almost feel like 
this, like I energetically have to throw up. Um, and I'm still getting really clear on what that is. Like, am I taking on someone's energy? Am I feeling really uncomfortable? Um, but I've been noticing this in my body and I'm, I'm trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And the reason I share this example is because it's always a forever learning process when you start connecting back to your body. But this is one of the biggest ones that I've, I've noticed lately. And I'm like, why do I feel a little sick? <laughs> yeah, that's a huge marker as well. So pay attention, recognize your natural cues, connect to your body. Vettina, you mentioned this a little earlier. What are your rituals right now? What are you doing in the morning, midday, in the afternoon to help you stay grounded? Ooh, in the morning, my non-negotiables are meditation. I usually do 40 days of the same meditation. So I've been doing a lot of kundalini. I'm doing a 300 hour in kundalini right now. So I'll often do a kundalini meditation and those usually are like 11 minutes. Um, I decided to soften it up a little bit because the kundalini meditations can be really intense and I'm doing a metta meditation now for um, I'm halfway through. I'm on like day 20. So my morning must meditate. That is a non-negotiable for me. And I'll often put on my kettle. I have like one on my stove. So it takes 13 minutes. My stove takes a really long time to heat up. It takes 13 minutes <laughs> to heat up. And in that 13 minutes, I write in my journal, just like download whatever is kind of coming up. It's coming from the heart, not the mind. And by then I have my my hot water and lemon. And as I I have a little treat for myself. This is why I stay committed because I give myself a little reward, which is my bulletproof coffee. <laughs> so I can't have my bulletproof until I until I meditate and journal. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. It's my treat. And I actually have it with mushroom coffee. Like the Four Sigmatic mushroom coffee is my favorite base. Um, it doesn't taste like coffee coffee, but it's better for my adrenal glands because I can get pretty stressed out. Absolutely. <laughs> How about you? What's your morning routine? Um, what's my morning routine? I So I change it based on my cycle. I am actually not really a creature of habit. I like to change it up. And my morning non-negotiables is I like to cuddle with my partner first thing in the morning. It's like the most healing thing I can do first thing in the morning. It's a, a man I prayed at, prayed for every day for years and manifested and am so grateful that I get to spend this life with him. And most mornings I'll lay in bed, put my soles of my feet together in Supta Baddha Konasana, knees spread wide, soles of the feet together and practice the yogic breath, which is inhale, lower belly, inhale, upper chest, long exhale, release. And I just do that for a minute, maybe a couple breaths just to oxygenize my body and wake up. I am very, very, very gentle on myself. And if I don't want to do something, I won't do it. Um, that's been, I used to not be like that. I used to be like super regimented and rigid and like devoted to all these different rituals and practices. And now I'm not. So I wake up, I drink 24 ounces of water. It's this 
large cup that I drink throughout the day, hydrate the body, turn on the kettle. I am back on coffee. Coffee is, I love it. I have a love affair with it. I think it's one of the greatest gifts God brought into the world, the universe brought into the world. And uh, I typically sit and meditate and the meditation shifts depending on where I am in my cycle and my mood. But oftentimes it's usually active meditation or breath work and then a silent seated practice. Uh, if I'm feeling really good, I might only sit for 10 minutes. If it's the dead of winter and I'm feeling sad or anxious or I have an incredibly busy day, I'll sit for 40 minutes to an hour um, and even move into like a whole ceremony, put on a record and dance around my apartment. So I love like that. it. Yeah. Dancing. I love a good dance party by myself. Yeah. Move oh all that God. energy. Yeah. Oh my God. The Shakti, like really honor the divine feminine. What Kriyas are you doing right now? Oh my goodness. Well, the one that I did for, for my last 40 days, which was pretty intense. Um, you know, it's so funny. We called it the anxiety. Kriya. <laughs> so I don't even know the Sanskrit name right now. Um, but you place your thumbs on your temples and your elbows are at shoulder height. And you would close your eyes and you clench your jaw. And so when you clench your jaw, you can feel your uh, temples moving. Um, and you would say the mantra Sata Nama as you clench. So Sa, one clench, ta, na, ma. So you do that for 11 minutes. Um, and it is to stimulate, well, one, your, your mind. Um, and also with what I love about the kundalini meditations is they're all, they're, they all stir up shit. <laughs> they all do. And it's like in the very middle of it, by like probably the 35th day, you're finally like, oh, I could continue with this. <laughs> but like it takes 35 days and that like commitment to that practice to start seeing the shift. And what I've seen in my life, um, the transformation that I've seen in my life in such a short period of time, January is when I started uh, January 2019. So not that long ago, this 300 hours. And I've seen the most drastic shifts in my life. Like this past July, um, I was doing this anxiety Kriya and I had one of the biggest healing transformations of my life. It was hard. Like I was crying every day for about a month and a half. I didn't really know why. And a lot of this, I mean, I found out some unfortunate information about an ex that I had um, a really good like relationship, post-relationship. Um, we stayed, remained friends and it was kind of all a lie. Um, and he, yeah, and that was kind of the trigger point for me um, because a lot of my healing work has been revolved around men. And this was like to do this Kriya plus go through this healing. It was really, really, the intensity was on like full. 
blast. Um, and then I came into to August after all the the energy and like just astrology, like all the eclipses, the new moons, everything. Um, it it settled down a little bit, but the that Korea in particular, and I don't know if it was because of the catalyst of finding out this information plus the intensity of the, the Korea itself. Um, I, I don't know, but it was just really intense and, and really powerful to have this practice within, um, within like the healing process that was kind of necessary because I didn't even realize that it was something that needed to be healed, unfortunately. But fortunately... I've come out the other end and I feel like this deeper sense of connection to myself, connection to my partner, connection to my family, my friends. And I have like this newfound sense of confidence and groundedness. And the word I continue to use is solid. I feel solid. I don't feel heavy. Like heavy to me feels like, uh, like dull a little bit. I feel like solid, like a mountain, um, standing tall finally for the first time and i would have thought i was before but this energetic feeling inside of me is is brand new and it's pretty exciting to be here i know it could change in any moment but i'm owning it and enjoying it right now <laughs> that's incredible and healing around men is such sacred and important work right now how is dating how is being a badass female entrepreneur deeply spiritual and connected and dating. I always say that the men that I date, they keep getting better and better the more I do my work. And last summer, so August 2018, I was dating someone and they kind of fit all my check boxes. He was an amazing entrepreneur. We had been friends for a long time. I still adore him, but I also feel like I wasn't ready. Um, I'm, if you know attachment styles, I'm anxious avoidant. I'm reading it right now. Yeah. Attached. If you're listening, read the book Attached. Yeah. And it's kind of, I feel like it's one of the worst to be because it's like you get anxiety wondering what this person is thinking, yet you're not doing anything about it. Like you just fear being needy. So you become avoidant. <laughs> So hopefully they lean in and I have a feeling he was avoidant as well. Actually, I know he was avoidant as well. Um, so it didn't work, unfortunately. So I took about hmm, eight, nine months of, of not dating and there had always been someone that was in my life that I was interested in. And for the first time, I had to be a little bit patient, which I'm not good at. I, I like like the intensity of romance and the beginnings of relationships. Um, and I had to be patient. And it was really, really uncomfortable. So for about, I don't know, three or four months, um, I started, we both were leaning in. Um, and we had been friends for about like five years and we were both leaning in, leaning in, leaning in, but both of us are not admitting that we like each other, 
And I, I feel energy really, really strongly. And I'm like, this energy is so confusing. Like, why isn't he saying anything? And I make points and be like, yeah, I just really need guys to be really straightforward. <laughs> like, so passive aggressive. <laughs> I have to laugh at myself. But there came a point where I'm like, okay. He's confused. I'm confused. And my thing is like, I don't like gray areas. So I'm like, hey, like I said to him, just like, you know, I'm really, really grateful for, um, I'm really, really grateful for our friendship and our growing friendship. I just feel like in the last like six months, we've been able to like grow and deepen that friendship. And I just want to let you know, I'm really grateful for that. And he leaves and, and he's like, I like walked away and I'm, I was so joyful and happy and like I left it and I, and I, I'm like, okay, great. We're cool. Like we're friends. That's what I'm thinking. And I went away, went to California, just like was, you know, not really think over thinking I come back and it was night and I didn't realize with, um, this guy and I didn't realize that there were like a bunch of um couples there like I didn't really realize that it was a couples thing and he was inviting me to like a couples thing <laughs> so I kind of left it we talked until 4 a.m nothing like literally just nothing and I'm like okay I'm gonna go bye um <laughs> and like a few weeks later he ends up telling me that he likes me and he's sharing his story and I just smile and then I literally look at him and I'm like, well, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's so exciting. So I'm still kind of like in this high of, um, you know, it's still new, uh, but we had been friends for a really long time. And uh, what I'm really appreciative of is he has his a very strong practice himself. So, you know, I, that's kind of what I was missing in, <clears throat> excuse me, my dating before, which was this, you know, I, on my checklist, I had all these men that I was attracting that were entrepreneurs, and, but I really needed someone who also had a commitment to their own evolution and that could admit when their shit was being present and because I can, but I know I'll avoid it and I won't do it if that other person won't lean in as well. So who knows? Like I'm open. I have no attachment to, to where this um, beautiful relationship is going, but I do feel like in this moment, um, I mean, I call him my boyfriend, but <laughs> um, in this moment, I'm just super grateful for the healing that has come out of this relationship with him because I'm doing a lot of my inner child healing, um, which he's very open to. Like, I'll just start talking about the stuff with my therapist and he's so open to talking about it. Um, but it's been, that's been a process and it's, actually taken more of my own work going inwards, looking at my shit. Um, I mean, I love my father. We have a great relationship, but a lot of this stuff stems from like my little child self and my relationship with him, my relationship with my mother. Again, also love them both, but they weren't given a manual when I came onto this earth into how I need to 
to receive love or how I need to be. And they have their own journey, but now I'm doing my own healing. And the more I'm able to see my own wounds, the more I'm able to connect with my partner and my friends at the end of the day. That was really long-winded answer to your question. No, that was from like your lips to the ears of the people who really need to hear it. I mean, it comes from the heart. This isn't a linear path. If you are listening and you're wondering about which attachment you most align with, there are three. It's in the book Attached by Amir Levin, and it's secure, anxious, or avoidant, Uh, The statistic is about 50% of us are secure, 20% are anxious, 20% are avoidant, and 10% are both. So recognize who you are, where you are, and if you are not attracting the right romantic partner, friendships, partnerships, it's a good time to really dive deeply and check in. It's also, it's always a good time to recognize who you are and your thought patterns and how you're moving throughout the world. Vettina, like before we close up, I know you are launching a new official product. Yes. So in September of 2019, we'll be launching our first product, which is the Soul Compass Necklace. And it's this representation to your, of your greatest journey. It's a symbol of your greatest journey, which is that journey to reconnecting or rediscovering your, your true self. And with every purchase of the necklace, you get one free download. So the value is $99 um, on a self-discovery course. And there'll be different themes, topics, depending on what you're going through. And I'm just super excited about it. This has been a long process to launch this product just with all the moving components. But I'm super excited to say that it's we're doing a soft launch in September, but um, it will be officially launching then. Thank you. Thank you. And if you're interested in this, this will all be in the footnotes. So you could check it out. You can purchase. You can show up for the online courses. Vettina, if you had the ears of all the women in the world and you got to share any wisdom or words of encouragement or advice with them, what would you share? Well, this mantra comes from one of the women that I've been following over the last few years. And it's really helped me get through entrepreneurship and through hurdles in my personal life, which is everything is figure outable. If you don't know Marie Forleo, you need to check her out. Just like this goddess of a woman, my woman crush. (laughs) Um, But everything is figure outable. Know that whatever you're going through in your business, your life, it it's happening for you. And there's always a new way of seeing things. Can you allow yourself to see things from a new lens, a new perspective? Go and headstand and turn your world upside down if you really need to physically see the world and from a new perspective. But you got this. You got this. Vettina, you are the best. It was so lovely having you here. Uh, Check out Soul Compass podcast. That's Vettina's podcast. I will be also on that podcast as well. Feel free to comment in the footnotes about what resonated with you. How are you showing up 
and feeling calm, centered, and present. What words resonated? As always with podcasts, we need high rating subscribers and comments to receive good standing and to continue sharing wise words with women around the globe. So please comment, subscribe, rate us, share with a friend. Big love and looking forward to chatting again next week. Thank you so much.